praise the Lord. Some of you may remember that I went to Mexico at the end of last month, came back the first of this month. I wanted to share, in just a few minutes, I want to share a little bit about that trip. I always like to give a, an account of where I've been and what I've been doing in other places, and I think that's important for you to know. And uh, I think somehow or another that's going to work into what I share out of the Second Timothy today. It's kind of interesting. I didn't know the title of this um, series, Pillars of Truth. And as I was studying this, well, first of all, everybody was doing a chapter. You know, everybody that preached was doing a chapter. So I said, oh, they're doing a chapter. No problem. I went on and studied for two weeks. I studied first or Second Timothy chapter 3. And then I, last week I was sitting here and suddenly the spirit of genius came on me and I realized I'm not supposed to be preaching there. I'm supposed to be preaching back in chapter 2. So I had to go back and study chapter 2. But I guess it didn't do me any harm studying all of chapter 3 for two weeks. But anyway, <laughs> that's just kind of part of part and parcel of what's going on when I don't read the, uh, the thing. Um, but I think it's going to, the idea of truth truth. There's something in the truth that I think God wants us to hear today in regards to faith and truth. So, uh, but with that, I, I want to, uh, are you up there, Chase? Okay. Let's, um, I was there from the end of, I think, February 24th to March the 6th. We had a, um, First of all, we got to the airport, and the first thing the man that was leading the trip did was he lost his his uh, his uh, credit card. Uh, Pat lost his credit card. Usually, I have to take care of him, but I wasn't close to him, and I, and I went back and we went looked everywhere because Pat does that kind of stuff every time we go on a trip. I can't go back through all that, but, but Pat's a good man, and I love him dearly and that's him in the way back by the guy with the pink shirt he's to the left of him with glasses on and then after we left this place he lost his glasses and <clears throat> we never could find them uh, we never did find the credit card either but anyway his wife found the glasses in his suitcase when he got home but that didn't do much good from then on he was using mine to well it's you know I got three lenses in mine he could use one of them and figure something out but uh, anyway, this is the this was the first stop. We traveled about two and a half hours. We got there two hours and a half late, but they waited on us. And this is a little village right outside of the place where we spent most of our time. And uh, we went there, and they had uh, tamales waiting on us. And then uh, Pat and I both shared a little bit out of the word and and prayed with people. And we had a great time with this 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 church family here. Uh, this was the church that Pat. Uh, well, that church was the, where Pat first started his ministry about 18 years ago there. Now this, um, we had some unique experiences in Mexico this time. We got into, we were invited into churches we'd never been in before. You have to understand about 17, 18 years ago when I went to Mexico, first time I went to this area here, they had Somehow Pat had managed to corral all these pastors and put them in a row, and we, we talked to him and prayed with him, and I noticed they was acting funny, and what it was, they didn't like each other. 
None of them liked each other. They didn't even want to be there. And it prompted another minister and I to decide we needed to wash their feet. So we got down and washed all their feet. That was quite a neat experience. But it still didn't change anything. And what was going on here is the enemy, you know, we have an enemy, right? Witchcraft was so strong in this region. It was so strong in this region. It held captive every church. Every existing church was held captive. And there was a darkness over this place that you can't, there was a darkness over this place that even they didn't even paint their buildings. The buildings were not painted. They were dark and dingy. And it was just stifling. I went to preach that night. We, it was an outdoor meeting, and I went to preach that night. I felt like my words was coming out of my mouth and falling on the ground. I, it was such a heaviness, and all I wanted to do was sleep all the time. I'll tell you what, and I could not figure it out. And then I finally realized it was, it was the, the satanic forces. This area, I've told you this before, but I'll tell it again to those that have never heard it. This area is the international it's the place where the witches all meet internationally. They all meet in this area here for a big powwow every year. Now, some of you might find that hard to believe. You know what the name of their baseball team is? The Brujos. The witches. Everything's the Brujos this, the Brujos this, the Brujos. It's about the witches. You go into one of the cities, the first thing they ask you, would you like to meet a witch? That's the first thing they ask you. You want to go meet a witch? They got little houses and witches are in there and you can go in and talk to them. And they'll put, a, they'll put a witch's prophecy on you about your life and stuff. And once you believe it, the demons are all over you. We have went house to house with people who had young people, teenagers acting out because they took them when they were young, when they were acting up, took them there young, had witches speak things over them. Well, when they grow up, they got demonic oppression going on, demonic things happening to them. We've went there and prayed for them. And seeing demons leave them. I mean, this is real stuff, folks. It's like stuff you find in the book of Acts, I know, or in the, in the epistles. But it's a, it's, a, it's a real thing. And that weekend, just so happened that weekend, that's when all the witches were gathered, when we were there. I didn't know that until I got down there. They, March the 3rd, they were all getting together. So we spent a lot of our time in churches praying for them to, to, um, to for Jesus to manifest himself and for the demons to flee, to leave away, that it would nullify anything they were planning there. Okay. Anyway, I'll tell you all that. These are a bunch of young people that gathered in. They were from all over the area churches. They gathered the one, first night we were there. And these are young kids. And uh, one of the brothers, the felt far, brother on the far left, he went with us on the team in the, in the light-colored shirt with the beard. Uh, he, he shared that night. He's a, he's a veteran. from. He spent 11 years in the military. He was in Afghanistan and, and uh, Kuwait. And he also had uh, a message that night for these young people. And we prayed for every young person there. We prayed God, for God to touch their lives. And that was a blessed meeting. You can go on to the next thing there if you want to. And this was uh, the church that we are a part of. It, they have satellite churches, but this is a church that met on Sunday, I believe it was. And uh, we took photos of them because we're not down there very often. And uh, this was all of them gathering what could. There's a lot of churches on the outlying edges. They can't get in unless they take a taxi or a truck to get in. But these are the ones that are near the center of the city. And they, they met that Sunday and we got to minister to them. This is more 
like church in Mexico, here, right here. We set up chairs in the backyard, and the dogs are laid out everywhere, and they're running around, and we're all, we're waiting for people to come, which is usual, you know, we have church at 6.30, they get there by 7.30, and we have church, you know, and you can see that big heavyset guy there in the center waiting for something to happen, you know, that's me, okay, well, anyway, that was a church in a little village called Morellis, and, um, and we wanted to um, uh, share the gospel there with them. This was in a little village called Benito Juarez. Uh, there's about every place has a village called Benito Juarez because Benito Juarez was who? He was the first president of Mexico. And so that's why they call all this. It's like Washington. Is there any other Washingtons in the United States? Yes. Okay. Uh, so we were in Benito, and we, we did a th thing with the kids. We tried to bless these little children, and uh, we spent time preaching there and, and praying for people. And we had a blessed time in Benito Juarez. Uh, you can go on. And this is another little village. Now, you can see the mountains in the background. Where we go is the Tuxla region. It's called Tuxlas. That's an Indian word for mountains. It's not a Spanish word. You can go up into these mountains. You can find tribal people up there that don't speak Spanish. They speak other languages. Uh, I did some research one time. There's over 900 languages in Mexico. Yeah, there's 900 different languages from all the different tribal people. And uh, this is, uh, uh, but these people here speak Spanish. And this is in a little town called Los Pinos. And uh, we set up. In, on a piece of property that the church actually owns and we set up out there and we had about 35, 40 people show up and we had a great time of sharing the gospel with these people. Uh, let me see. Okay, this is um, in a little, uh, we call it the beach church, but it's a little town called La Barra and in La Barra there is a, a pastor there, Pastor Reyes and he has a pretty good, there's Pastor Reyes, me and Pastor Reyes, we're good friends, we love each other and we loved to be together. He was glad to see us because it's been a while since I'd been down there. But he has a little building there that Pat and some of the men that have come down before have helped build on the side there. They, they make a living by selling empanadas to the people on the beach. I don't think I have any beach pictures, but uh, I, I didn't bring those along. But just, just outside the building, there's the, the, the uh, Gulf of Mexico, and that, they're right on the beach there. And we had good services there, and we had a blessed time with that pe the people there. Uh, we had people getting saved, you know, people coming, wanting prayer for salvation there, too. And I forgot to tell you, back in, uh, back in uh, Morellis, we had three or four people got saved there. Now, here on the left is uh, Sister Maya. Uh, she is the pastora of this, this particular church we're in there. Pat's on the right. Pat's a man that came down there, gave his life down there for 17 years. He was a missionary there. And in the middle is Jenny. She's uh, Pastor uh, Maya's uh, niece. And uh, Jenny was receiving credentials because she's going to become the worship leader. And she works with the children and does worship. And this is why she was getting credentialed there. as We were a part of that. So that's what that's going on there now. Got another one? Is that it? That's it. Okay. So, as you can see, we, we did a lot of running around. We were in a lot of different... There are some churches I didn't get any photos in because I, I didn't take any pictures. We were with a, a, a pastor in the south part of the city, and we were in another church in the city, but I wasn't able to get pictures there because I was preaching. <laughs> 
Uh, it's a little hard to take pictures when you're pre of yourself when you're preaching, so I don't do that. But that's, uh, I just wanted to give you a little recap of the trip so that you know that uh, there's things happening there. Now, while I was there, a pastor from Veracruz called me. I've known Pastor Victor for a long time, and uh, we've been in contact during the pandemic quite a bit. His wife was very ill with the, the sickness that came around, and she, and she recovered, and we were very happy about that. But Pastor Victor Galizia, he contacted me, and he asked me if I would come to Veracruz. The weekend, the last weekend we were there, well, we already had things scheduled, and I couldn't come. So he set a date for me to come back at the end of May, and I'll just be there like Friday through Monday, but uh, I am going. And Pastor Victor told me this. He said, Brother Jeff, I've started three churches in Veracruz since the pandemic. He said, I, he said, I have never seen a move of God like this before. Now, Pastor Victor was an evangelist all over Mexico. He's well known. He's a, he's a TV type evangelist, you know, on personality on TV and stuff. And, uh, and when he said this, I thought, man, this must be something, something very unusual. So he wants me to come and preach that weekend of the end of May. It's Pentecost Sunday. That, I think the 28th is Pentecost Sunday. So he asked me to come that weekend and be a part of what's going on there in Veracruz. So I'm excited about going. I haven't been, seen Pastor Victor in a few years because of the, the problems with travel and getting into places. So I am going May 26th through the 29th to Mexico. So I thought I'd mention that again. All right. Thank you, uh, Chase, for sharing this. All right, today, I'm supposed to share out of 2 Timothy 14 through 26. I think I'll just read the first part of this, and then we'll dis discuss some things. I, I, you know, I have to pray and ask God, what is, it, what is it you want me to say out of these verses that is the key thought or the key point, and then we'll, we're going to do that today. Oh, you got it up there, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to read it. 14. Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and thus they upset the faith of some. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord abstain from wickedness. Let's just stop there and let's talk about these things. You know, if I look, if I would just give a quick thought about what he's talking about, he's talking about saying things that are useless and not needed. He's talking about coming up with some things and you're presenting it as truth when it's not truth. And he's talking about how those kinds of things disrupt the true faith. Would that, be, would that be your analysis of these 
verses that we just read. That, that's what I, and that's what I was thinking about when I read this the other day. The first thing that came out of, of for me was how truth affects faith. And things that aren't true affects faith. The things that we believe as true affects the outcome of our faith, and the things that we but we that are true affects the outcome of our faith. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I've been we've been enjoying uh, this series on I guess it's on television. I don't know where the chosen. Anybody watch the chosen? Yeah, it's a. It, I I would highly recommend that for you as a family to look at the chosen. It it it. It's got backstories to people's lives that aren't necessarily in the Bible, but that's okay. We all have a backstory, you know, like Mary has a backstory, you know, Peter has a backstory. But when it gets down to the, the truth, they, they present that word for word from the scriptures, and it's really a powerful, powerful thing to witness. And I have noticed some of the way it, it brought life to some of the stories that I've read in the scriptures. For example, the one that I, that's in my mind right now, you remember the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years and she was healed when she touched the fringe of Jesus' garment? Well, for some reason, the thing that I remembered is that Jesus, he said, do you think touching the fringe of my garment is what healed you? And she didn't know what to say. He said, no. What healed you was your faith. Your faith healed you. And it, it, it kind of gave me a thought. She didn't know anything about Jesus other than the fact that he would heal somebody. Did she? She didn't know that he was the son of God. She didn't know, she didn't know any of that stuff that theologians tell us we're supposed to know. She didn't know any of that. But she knew one thing that he would heal her. He was, remember the, remember the leper? The leper didn't know anything, but he had heard that this man would heal. I know you will heal me. And Jesus, yeah, I know if you're willing, you will heal. And Jesus said, I'm willing. And they met. Truth touched his faith, and his faith went into Jesus, and he was healed. Truth with the little woman. Truth met her faith. Jesus is the truth, right? Truth met her faith, and she was healed. Now, it isn't always about healing. It's about salvation, too. When you, you know, I know when I became a believer, I didn't know all that much about Jesus. Probably half of the stuff I knew was not right. But I knew that I needed salvation. I knew I needed sins cleansed. I knew I needed to repent and come to Jesus. And I knew if I did, the truth would save me. And that's what happened to me. It's my, it's my faith taking hold of the truth and it makes a result in my life. It does something in my life. Does this make sense? You see, I was thinking about this the other day, and I thought, some people are really smart. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, that was a big thought, wasn't it? 
But some people are very intelligent, super intelligent. All right? I've been around people. They start talking about things. I don't even know what they're talking about because they're so intelligent. I can't touch what they're talking about. But there's some people that are very, very simple. I won't say unintelligent, but I will just say simple. They think very simply about life. Some play very complex, some, and we got all levels in between, right? Will you agree with me? And then I got to thinking, well, faith touches every one of those levels of life. Are you hearing me? Faith touches every one of those. You know, with, you got the wise and the intelligent, Jesus said. He had to hide, he hid things from them, but he revealed it unto babes. Now, why Jesus chose to go that way, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because if he revealed them things unto the wise and the intelligent and not to the babes, the wise and the intelligent wouldn't have been able to share it with them. They wouldn't be able to, they wouldn't be able to receive it. I don't know. I, you know, I can't get into the mind and heart of God. But I know he revealed them to babes and he hid things from the wise and the intelligent. But that doesn't mean the wise and the intelligent can't have faith. We were designed for faith. And we were designed to receive and know the truth so that, that when our faith was able to reach out, reach out and take hold of the truth, things would happen. Is that right? When you reach out with your faith and take hold of truth, it's like a, you know, truth is like a catalyst that sets faith into motion. I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, you know, everybody's got faith. You can talk about the you can't, get away, you can't get away from faith because there's people who have faith in the wrong thing. They have faith in lies. They, like those people down there in Mexico going around worshiping or whatever they do with the Satan thing. It's their faith in action there. They're not getting the results because faith in, the, faith in a lie does not get the results. But faith in the truth gets the results that God has promised us. Faith in the truth. Truth is the catalyst that sets faith into action. Well, I kind of got ahead of myself, but I, I just really thought that we needed to think about that a second. Now, it seems like these two fellows that, that Paul mentioned to Timothy... Hymenaeus and Philetus, he seems like they got off into something. Sounds like they were believers, but they got off into something that they shouldn't have got off into, and they started upsetting people's faith in the truth. Well, we see that happen today, don't we? we I mean, it happens in all generations. Things like that take place. And he was, he was warning him about them so that he wouldn't believe them. You know, I love this. I love these two letters written to Timothy because here's Paul at the end of his life at the end of his life he was going to die he died shortly after well we got what one more two more chapters here no one more chapter here and his time was very short on earth at this point and he didn't write a letter to the Romans which is a big group of people he didn't write a letter to the Ephesians he didn't write a letter to the Corinthians. 
But he's getting ready to die, and he writes a letter to one man. Isn't that interesting? He thought, well, you know, at the end of your life, I've been thinking about the end of my life. What do I want to say to people and what I want to do? Now, I know, you know, he said, are you dying recently? I don't know. You just think about stuff like that when you get older. Who do I want to talk to before I die? And I think Paul was sitting down one day in prison and saying, who do I want to talk to before I go? And he said, Timothy. He was called a son in the faith. He was a son. Paul never had family. He never had a wife, never had children, according to historians. But Timothy was like a son to him. And as I was driving to work, or to work here, as I was driving to church this morning, um, I, I was thinking, who do I want to talk to at the end? And I thought, well, the first people I ought to talk to is my sons. Huh? My sons. I ought to talk to my sons and give them a, give them a truth act. You know, here's, here's the truth, boys. You know, talk to your sons. Talk to your family. You know, who else would you want to talk to? And then all of a sudden I realized, Bobby, I don't have any sons in the faith that I know of. I've never made any sons in the faith. So maybe you ought to think about that. Do you have a son in the faith? Someone you want to talk to. Some things you need to say to people before you go. Well, Paul talked to Timothy, and boy, I'll tell you what, he was giving him everything. He was unloading on him everything he needed, everything he wanted him to have before he went. So you got to think about that as you're reading this. Paul was talking about, you know, standing firm in the faith, you know, knowing what you believe and knowing who you are in Christ and knowing, you know, be a man that stands up and pursues righteousness and faith and love and peace with those around you. And then I noticed uh, he, he wanted to make sure that Timothy had an understanding of what the truth was. Thank you. When our faith becomes dulled or tainted by lies and things that aren't true, it hinders the results of what God wants in our life. Now let's move on. Let's read 20 through 26 here. It says, Now, in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself of these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith and love and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. There's the truth again. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. There's a lot in here. 
it may be that he's referring back to Hymenaeus and Philetus when he starts talking about vessels of silver and gold and vessels of wood and earthenware. I don't think he was saying that these two guys are no longer Christians. I think he's just saying they're off base. They're off base and they cause other people to be off base. And he says that there's all different kinds of people in a, in a, in a, in a, in a world of Christianity. There's all different kinds of gold, silver vessels. There's wooden vessels. But, you know, the main thing is to keep yourself clean. That's what he's saying. Make your, you know, make yourself, cleanse yourself. Recognize things you're doing wrong and begin to do the right thing. Begin to ask God for a cleansing and a healing. It was another charge to Timothy here. In verse 22, he said, Now flee youthful lust, pursue righteousness and faith, love and peace. You can pursue these things. You can go after those things. You don't have to wait somewhere for things to come to you. Sometimes I talk to people and they're always saying, God has never done anything in my life. And, but they don't ever move. They don't ever get up and start moving. They never start to step out and do something. You know, God doesn't tell you to go to Africa right off the bat. He'll tell you, you may just go downtown and do so. He may just tell you to go next door. He may just tell you to get up and take care of this and take care of that. He gives you something simple, something you can do. And that is when you step out to do it in faith, you're pursuing those things. I don't know, um, my neighbor is a um, young man out of the Mennonite community, and he's leaving tomorrow for Pakistan. And I got a little bit nervous when I heard that. Him and three or four other guys. I mean, some of you may know who they are, I don't know. But my neighbor was going, and as soon as I heard that, I got very concerned. I thought, well, you know, Pakistan's, that's some pretty tough area to go into. If you've ever been in a Muslim country before, you know how sometimes difficult that can be to get all your P's and Q's right and cross your T's and I's and all that. It can be difficult if you don't know what you're doing. They'll arrest you. And you may never get out until they're ready to let you out, you know. So I got very concerned, so I invited him to my house and I sat down with him and started talking. See, what I'm saying is sometimes God puts something like that on your heart and you gotta, you got to respond to it. You gotta, you, I didn't know what to do. I thought, well, come on up and we'll eat some sausage and we'll talk, you know. Or I don't know, we'll do something because I'm concerned. I, I, I wanted to pray. I wanted to have a prayer meeting for him because he's never been there before. And, you know, sometimes things like that come across your path. You've just got to step out a little bit. And do something because, you know, you're, you want to make sure something is done. To me, that's part of what's pursuing love is you're wanting to do something in, because you care about somebody. I, I uh, recommended him go and talk to my son-in-law. My son-in-law, Dan, works in a Muslim ministry. He's been around Muslim people all of his life and, and when he lived in England. And, and now he's working in a, a ministry to Muslims. And so I had him get in touch with Dan so he could sit down with Dan and Dan could explain to him the Muslim world. Friends, the Muslim world is a lot different than the world you live in. And I tell you this, 
if you fly into a Muslim world or a Muslim country, the moment you step foot off the airplane, remember what I told you about Mexico? How we were down there, words falling on the ground or confusion and sleeping? That's the same type of thing you'll experience in the Muslim world. It's like, whoa, what's all this confusion? I remember one time we were trying to get out of Kuwait. I was in Kuwait. Uh, we were there for a week or 10 days. I can't remember preaching and in these underground churches there with the Filipino people that we knew. And um, uh, when we went to the airport to get on the plane, it was the most confusing, bungled up mess I'd ever seen in my life. Now, to the, to the, to the Kuwaitis, it was no big deal. They're used to living in that. But I got there. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. It, we were just standing around. I remember Ben and I just standing there looking like, what? where do we go here? What is going on? And it's just, and then I realized that's the way it is in those kinds of worlds. You know, the order that we live in, they don't have that order. One time I was in Egypt, and they had a stoplight up there going red, green, red, green. And there was a policeman standing right under the stop sign, stopping people and waving people on. I thought, what's the need? And I asked the guy, why do they do it? He said, they don't know what to do with the stoplight. They don't know what that stoplight means. You have learned. When nobody else is around, the stoplight turns red, you stop. And you wait till it turns green to go. Not in a Muslim world. Even if it's... Green, they don't go. They just have a different way of living, a different way of thinking about life that we don't know. And you have to go there and you have to enter into that world and you have to try to talk to them about Jesus and things. But one thing, you can talk about Jesus in a Muslim world, but you can't talk about Allah and you can't talk anything about bad about Islam. And Well, anyway, I'm just sharing this with you because... I, when, these are the things I was thinking of when I found out my neighbor, my young man less than 30 years old, is going to Pakistan. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I got to pray for that boy. I got to spend time with him, talk to him a little bit, get him prepared for this. And so that's what we did. And see, I think that's what Paul is doing here with young Timothy. He's trying to prepare him for the life that's out. He's a young man. He's involved in ministry. He's trying to prepare him for what he's going to face. So you, you, pursue, uh, you pursue these things and then refuse. Here's what you pursue and then what you refuse. You don't pursue foolish, ignorant speculations. I know, Paul's as subtle as a train wreck. Knowing that they produce quarrels. How many of you have ever argued and quarreled with somebody and brought them into faith? I never have, but I was stupid enough to try it a lot of times. <laughs> argue, 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 and try to bring them to Christ. No, it doesn't work, does it? Paul knew that. He'd probably tried it himself with a lot of those guys that sat on the Council, a lot of those Pharisees. You can't be quarrelsome, he said. You got to be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition to you. Gentleness, correcting them, correcting people in gentleness. That's that 
requires a little bit of tact, doesn't it? I haven't been able to do that too well, I don't think. But the purpose of it is, is that they might come to the knowledge of the truth. Because what does the truth do? When they grasp the truth with faith, it makes a change. It changes things. When we take a hold, yes, the truth sets people free. That, Jesus said that, didn't he? And so when they grasp the truth, after they see the truth, they repent, which means they turn away from the things they've been holding on to by their faith, and they take hold of the truth by faith, there's a result that takes place. A positive, godly change takes place in their life. And Paul said that they might come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Paul had a grasp of what was going on in people's lives, people who weren't people of faith. He knew what was happening, how the enemy, he blinds the minds of people. He keeps them in darkness. Uh, he keeps them in darkness. I could go on and teach out of chapter 3 pretty good, <laughs> but I won't. We'll save that for Sean, all right? But I'm done, and I, I just want to... I think the main thing that I want you to take out of this is about truth and about faith, you know? I, I mean, I, I have had to change a lot of the way I preach over the years because of what you saw behind me here this morning. You know, when you get down there with very simple people, you know, and you, you can't talk big Fancy theological thing. And I, I love to discuss theology. I, you know, Hogan and, and Evan, they know I like to talk theology and stuff like that. But when you're with simple village type people, you don't, you can't, you can't talk that stuff. You have to hear what God wants to say to them. You have to ask God, how do I meet them? How do I meet them with truth so that their faith can be ignited? Their faith. And listen. Most of the people you hang out with on a daily basis at your jobs or, you know, wherever you go, they're just that way too, you know. And so I just want to encourage you with this word today that we walk in the truth and that we share the truth in love and we take hold of it by faith and I'll ask God to, to use it for his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that one of your great characteristics is you are a God of truth. You know the truth, Lord, and you're willing to share it with us. You're willing to share your wisdom and truth with us, Lord God, that we might be able to internalize it and grow and take hold of you, Lord, and serve you and, and go out and share it with others, Lord God. Help us to know how to do that. Help us to know how to receive by faith your truth, Lord. And may you bring blessing and may you bring glory and honor to your name, Lord God, as we sang this morning, that you might be glorified and honored, Lord. When people see you, Lord, and they see who you are, Lord, and they see what you are and what you want to be in their lives, Lord. They want to take hold of that. They want to love you, and they want to 
put their faith in you and their trust in you, Lord. Help us to be expressions of that truth, Lord, in our lives. We ask in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, thank you.